Mecham Auctions, the world's largest collector car auction company, returns to Indy with Dana Mecham's 37th Original Spring Classic, May 10th through the 18th at the Indiana State Fairground. 3,000 muscle cars, Corvettes, exotics, and more. Broadcast on Motor Trend TV and streaming live on Max. From avid collectors to those new to the Mecham experience, we welcome everyone. Register to bid now at Mecham.com. The James Webb Space Telescope. Honestly, the pictures have been absolutely stunning. The level of the scope, the recognition of how tiny we are. Oh, we are tiny and getting smaller all the time. Tony Katz, uh, good to be with you. Taylor Hutchison joins us right now from NASA as they are celebrating a year of the James Webb Space Telescope. Uh, and uh, uh, Taylor, uh, good to have you with us. Um, in the shots that you've gotten, the uh, things observed by the telescope, is it just that we're able to see things now with, you know, we can argue more beauty, but with more clarity, or is it helped in getting a better understanding of exactly how small we are and how the levels of infinite space really is? Hi. Um, honestly, both of those are fantastic questions. I think it's kind of a little bit of both, right? So we were able to see a lot of things before, even before this telescope was launched. But now that we have this amazing kind of one-of-its-kind observatory in space, we're able to see deeper into the universe than we ever have before, see further, see better detail and more exquisite information. And it really does. The more you see of the universe, the more it makes you kind of remind yourself of how small you are. The the telescope it, itself, uh, the web, you know, people know the Hubble, uh, but the web, what was different about this in its creation and what has it uh, given us in terms of not just the, the, the photography, but in some concrete analysis? Has it given us anything? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. So it's kind of the, the comparison that people often make between the Hubble Space Telescope and the JWST is a little bit of a misnomer. They look at different regions of light, and so they kind of tell you different things about the stuff that you look at in space. So, for example, if we were looking at exoplanets around distant stars, the Hubble Space Telescope could maybe help us find them and begin to characterize them. But the JWST, where it looks in that portion of light, it can start to look for molecules and things that can tell you what's going on inside of that planet. And so they work in tandem really well, and so they actually are very complementary. Um, but, yeah, the JWST is an amazing, massive observatory, and so it's really kind of a league of its own for the types of light that it looks for. Talking to Taylor Hutchinson. Now, I have it right. It's Dr. Taylor Hutchinson, Texas A&M, right? Yeah, that's where I got my PhD. Okay, I'm making sure I, I have it. So I, I was doing some research, and I came across this. Taylor's research interests prim primarily lie in spectroscopy, which is impossible for me to say, of mm -hmm. distant galaxies and redshifts five and greater. What in the world is a redshift? Yeah, so it's one of these many funny words that we use in astronomy that are kind of unitless. But um, essentially, it kind of describes how far back in time are we looking and what age of the universe are you trying to look at. And so when we're talking about redshift six or numbers even larger, we use a number called Z or a variable called Z for this. But what this really means is, you know, if the universe is about 14 billion years old, I'm looking at things that existed less than a billion years after the Big Bang. So redshift six and bigger numbers. 
And so you're looking really far back in time. And the light from these distant galaxies has had to travel over 13 billion years to reach our telescopes. Okay. That is, that is very weed-smoking-inducing thoughts. It's very you understand wild. that? <laughs> like, like, but it, it is. It's, it's this level of, of trying to understand it all. There's this fantastic uh, special, I don't know if it's Netflix or, or if it's Hulu, about the whole concept of infinity, you know, the idea that, that space goes on for forever, that there, there cannot be a bound. It, it has to be boundless. But what if, what if mm-hmm. that isn't the case, you know? And you are actually, there is a finite number uh, of things as, as this uh, telescope continues to move out there the 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 web uh james webb space uh, telescope is there something you're hoping for or something other researchers are hoping that if we could just get clarity on point x on on Mm -hmm. thing x we could then be able to extrapolate that out and explain other things well (laughs) well first actually you know it's funny it's um yes there's this you know seemingly infinite universe but what i think is the most mind-boggling part is we're also limited by just what we can see. And so we, the light has to reach us. And so we actually, there's this thing called the observable universe, which is actually smaller than the actual universe because that's just as far as we can see, which is also kind of like a mind-boggling thing. But yeah, so as far as what, I mean, what people are hoping for with this amazing observatory, um, for me, I'm very biased. Um, I'm, of course, really interested in the most distant galaxies. And so one of the things that we're hoping for is how far back can we push this telescope? You know, what kind of limits can we push it to? And how far back in time can we see? And what is the most distant galaxy we can find? And we're getting really good at this. This is that my field in astronomy has kind of exploded with all of this amazing data from this observatory. And it's just kind of fun to see, okay, how much further can we go? How much more can we push this observatory? Well, I think the the question is, how much more does it cost to be able to push how much further you can go? And is is the juice worth the squeeze? Is it worth the cost? Uh, and, And I often think that the answer, I mean, for me... The answer is, my God, do it just to see what's out there. Uh, mm-hmm. But for, for you know, people are very focused on, on an ROI conversation. So I don't know what the Webb Space Telescope cost uh, us, but what's the ROI? That's a great question. I actually, uh, I focus more on the science side, so I don't, I don't truly know that answer. But it is a really good point about the cost of this observatory. I mean, it costs quite a bit of money to get it up into space, and the running of the observatory it takes a whole cost as well. But there's also a science cost. And so this observatory has, you know, there's four main science goals that NASA put out that, are, that we're hoping to answer about the universe. And those are four different, very different kinds of science. And so one of them happens to be the distant galaxies, but you also have exoplanets trying to find habitable worlds, you know, trying to look in the regions of star formation and try and see these birthing stars. And so you also have to balance the science cost of, you know, everyone wants time and using this observatory, and everyone has to share. And that's actually remarkably hard to balance. Yeah, uh, it, it cost, I believe, $10 billion, which was 10 times the original cost estimate from, yeah. from <laughs> NASA. I know that I am a geek on this and adore uh, the, the, this stuff, um, but it, it, is, uh, it is an expensive uh, proposition. Um, where is the telescope now talking, by the way, to Dr. Taylor Hutchinson, NASA postdoctoral uh, fellow at the NASA Goddard Space Flight Center? Where is it now, and where do you expect it to go next? Yeah, so the telescope lives at a place called the Grange Point 2, which is just kind of this stable place in the you know, 
orbit of the Earth around the sun, and so it's always on the other side of the Earth from the sun. And this is really useful because, about a million miles away from the Earth, by the way, and this is really useful because we're looking at kinds of light that are in the infrared, or you can kind of think of it as like heat vision, and so things glow, right? We all glow in the infrared, and you want to be as far away from things that glow as much as possible, and even the Earth is glowing in the infrared, and so we try to push the telescope as far away as possible while also still being able to, you know, talk to it and direct it. And so that's kind of where it lives. And a few of the telescopes live in that region as well. And it's a really um, very stable region that kind of follows us around as our tracker on the sun. Dr. Taylor Hutchinson, I appreciate you taking the time uh, to be with us. I know you are up uh, against it. I love the stuff. Wanted to share the stuff, Dr. Hutchinson. Uh, thank you for being with us on the DriveHubler.com hotline. 